You're listening to the Relaunch Podcast with your host, Hilary DeCesar, best-selling author, TV host, speaker, and 23 years as a neuro-business performance coach. She will merge modern personal development, up-to-date neuroscience, and ancient wisdom with a twist while using her one and only 3HQ method. Get ready to be empowered in your journey of self-reinvention and ignite your professional dreams. Each episode unfolds inspiring stories of remarkable relaunches, revealing the tips and secrets behind them. Join us in these conversations, offering you the insights and tools needed for your own extraordinary relaunch. Welcome back to the Relaunch Podcast. And what a show we have in store for you. And you know what? As I always say, there's perfect timing. And this gal is going to deliver the goods as we, whether it's the beginning of the new year, whether it's the beginning of a quarter, there is something that we all have to be thinking about. And that is the old money, money, money. We have to be thinking about this, the budgets, the the how we set ourselves up for success. And my guest today has a very different way of looking at it. And so I am really excited to dive deep into this, understand what we can do wherever you are in the world right now, what you can do right away. We're going to give you tips, strategies that are going to be like, wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. And she is making a lot of people super successful. Her name is Lisa Chastain. She is the best-selling author of Girl, Get Your Shit Together, which I absolutely love. She's got another book coming out next year called Stop Budgeting, Start Living. And again, she is she's not only this best-selling author, she's a radio show host. She's a money coach. She empowers women to stop budgeting, build wealth, and spend guilt-free. You heard that right. Spend guilt-free. How much are we loving that? So what she does, she merges finance, fundamentals, and money mindset. You now know why she's on. And Lisa inspires women to take charge of their financial destiny. She's recognized by renowned media outlets. She simplifies money. She reduces how money makes us stressed and she guides women towards their best lives. Lisa, welcome to the relaunch podcast. That was such an amazing introduction. I think we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You should see the list of questions I have for you. You're not going anywhere. I am really excited. First off, you know, love the title of the book right? Girl, get your shit together. And there's always a reason you put a title like that onto a book, especially your first book. And so let's take a journey back in time for people who aren't familiar with you right now. They certainly will be after this. So all of the listeners out there, you know, like if you're working out, if you are, you know, hanging out in the, in the home, this is the time where grab your pad of paper, grab your computer and start taking notes because I got mine in front of me. I'm going to be doing the same. These are conversations that we all need to be having, but your journey 
Your journey is really an interesting one. And would you start with the thing that was the most impactful in your relaunch history? What really set your course on a different trajectory? It was this book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't wasn't just the book because I wrote the book in 2017. It was everything that was happening around me and in my life, in the middle of my life while I was writing the book. That was the total relaunch of my life. How interesting. So it was actually during the book writing. It was during the book writing. Okay, we got to go back because 2017, you know, not not too long ago, but tell us about tell us more about you and your and just kind of your history. Okay, so I'm a blue collar girl. I was born and raised in Vegas and I still live in I live in Henderson. So outside of Vegas, but still a Vegas kid. My dad grew up dirt poor in Georgia and he moved out to Las Vegas when he was 16 years old to get a job. He barely graduated high school because he was working so much. That set the stage for my childhood. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And what we knew and heard about money and life was very traditional and very, I have different money types that I teach in my world, but very scarcity-minded. Be good with your money. There's not a lot of it. No, you can't do that. We don't have the money. It seemed like everything that we did or didn't do in our family was because we had or didn't have the money to do it. Hmm. So the in and the out, right? We have it. We don't have it. We can do it today. Can't do it tomorrow. Yeah. And my mom, my mom did a great job of managing the budget, scrimping by managing every penny that we had. My dad never made more than $60,000 a year. What I knew as a little girl was that I was going to graduate high school, get married and have four kids because that's what you did. Because that that's what you did. Right. All the ambitions, aspirations that I had. And I love my parents. We have such a great relationship today. So this is nothing against them. It's just that the conversations that were had around me and with me as a kid was don't dream very big and no, you can't do it. So every time I took on a leadership position or every time I wanted to do something big, it was shut down. It was like, no, and it's scary. So folding into the book, uh, it was that I had, I had left my safe, comfortable job, which my brother, sister, and I all went on that path as kids where we all got safe jobs because that's what my dad told us to do. Don't take on management roles. Don't rock the boat. Don't take on more than you have to play it safe. Make sure you have health insurance. <laughs> That's really funny. And don't forget, have that health insurance. Yes. Health insurance. So anytime I tried to get outside of that box in my 20s, it was like, no, 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 no. And I love my parents so much. I would listen to them because I trusted them. And I was not born for that life. That was not in my heart. I remember listening to like Kelly Clarkson songs as a kid, like about dreaming big. And I was like, there's something more for me. There's something more for me. I've got to figure out what that is. So I left my safe, comfortable job in 2011 into the world of nowhere. My life fell apart and came together all at the same time. And that how long is- did that, how long did that really happen? Like how long did it take place? Like you say that you left it all behind and it fell apart, but then yeah. it came back together. Yeah. So 31, I left my career. I was the director of advising for the honors college at UNLV. So I was at a very high position working around America's greatest students. I was at the top of my game and I had a three-year-old at home who needed me. 
more than, and, and I was like, I got to do this. What I know now is I certainly sabotaged that because still my mindset was you're, you need to be a stay-at-home mom. You need to be home with this kid. So I, I did what a lot of women do and I fell on the sword and I, I left my, my career, which I loved. I left all of my earning potential behind because my husband was what I thought on the up and up in his career to be a stay-at-home mom. So three years of wine therapy and couch time with Oprah and breakdown and depression. And uh, my, my husband, my now ex-husband lost his job nine months after I left my job. Oh my gosh. That was a very fast spiral down. And I stayed there for a minute. I stayed there for a few years because I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know who I was without my job. I didn't know who I was without having to go to work. I love my son who's 15 and a half today. I love him more than anything. And I was lost. I was lost. So when your husband X lost his job, how long did it take him to get another job? And then when did the separation occur? He was in and out of work for the rest of our marriage. He'd get a job, lose a job. The first time he was out of work for four or five months. And that's when the alcohol, when the drinking mm-hmm. became really apparent for us, for both of us, honestly, alcohol had been my coping mechanism and my family's coping mechanism. And so it makes sense that I attracted an alcoholic husband and he never, he never got back on his feet. Mm. So how long did it take before you said, Hey, enough is enough. 2016 was the year that it started to awaken in me that I had to get out of this marriage. So 31 which was 2011 to 2016, five years. Wow. Yeah. And you had this, you had this boy that you were trying to raise and. mm. Mm -hmm. So you end up saying it's time. Was there a moment where it just got too bad? Was there that, you know, rock bottom place? What was it? So in 2014, I thought it would be, well, I knew I had to go back to work. I just knew it, but I knew when I left UNLV that I was going to never work for anyone ever again. Hmm. I was like, this is not, I'm not, and so I kept dancing with the idea of going back, going back to work. And I was like, no, that's not in my heart. So I want to work for myself. And then the question was, what am I going to do? And I got an email from farmer's insurance that said I could make $400,000 a year as a farmer's insurance agent. And I was like, no shit. <laughs> You're like, that sounds pretty good to me. I'm not making any money right now. So that sounds amazing. And it was the spark. I called my best friend who was a financial advisor at the time. And I said, Hey, is this true? She said, yeah, but why don't you come work with me and become a financial advisor? And I was like, well, okay. Financial independence. That sounded attractive to me because I hadn't figured out how to have that yet outside of my comfort zone. Love that. Want to learn something new that I've never done before. I know nothing about money. Why not? And I went for it. So how long did did you work there? Well, I, I didn't, I didn't work for anyone. I actually went as an independent and started draining from my 401k to support it and build it. So at the same time, my financial life is going downhill with my husband, now ex-husband, I was draining my savings account to open a business that I knew nothing about. It's a great plan, right? 
<laughs> that is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when you get behind the behind the covers, you're like, oh, am I? And, and so I think back about, you know, your your dad saying, you know, about the don't dream very big. Don't it, it, it must have been like you were living in two different worlds. I had to break up with a lot of people in my life. Yeah. I had to break up with my family for a minute. It was very painful. We're back together. All is well. But yeah. when, you, when you say how long, it was 31. The divorce, I initiated the divorce in 2017. And I wrote the book in 2017. And it really wasn't until 2019 that I felt like I had been, um, that I was on the other side of any of it. So that was an eight year. You, when you got eight year journey, it sounds like. But when you got divorced, there really wasn't too much to even split between you. So you were really starting out at that. Literally, was it a zero mark or did you have a little bit still left? You said you were spending out of your 401k to even start this entrepreneurial journey that you were going on. Yeah. So at, in 2016, I had seen my $100,000 401k go down and down and down and down, and it was down to $20,000. And so from a business sense, I knew that if I didn't do something, because I wasn't making any money as a financial advisor, I was failing fast. Mm -hmm. And I was out of my comfort zone and I couldn't figure it out. My business partner and I were not getting along. So everything just seemed to come to a big head in 2016. And so I had those, I had $20,000 left and I hired a coach. I said something that right there. I mean, you must've been like just shaking in your boots because you got $20,000. You're like, I'm going to hire a coach. I'm going to spend money on that. What, what made you decide to do that? Like what really, what happened in even getting that coach? Well, I had been stalking her online and she was talking to financial advisors about how to make better money, how to make more money. She was speaking my language because I wasn't making any money. And I was like, well, I think she can help me. So mm -hmm. I scheduled a call with her. I paid her, I think at that point, maybe 500 bucks to have a call with her. And I was shaking because I didn't think that she would let me hire her. I was like, this, she's too successful. She's not going to let me hire her. So I'm shaking and I pay her. And then she makes me an offer to join a six month program of hers for $10,000. So here I am, I've got $20,000 left to my name. It's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You just, you trust it. It was that wise woman, that voice in your head saying, you got to do this. I had to do it for me. I had to vote for myself and I had to, for once, jump all in on what it was that I wanted, regardless of what anybody around me was saying. So that was my relaunch moment in July of 2016. But you know what you did there was you decided, you decided I'm putting this money in. I mean, that's the type of client any of the, I love to work with because you're all in. All in. You're like, failing is not an option, right? Yeah. I'm already failing. What do I have to lose? And let's go. Let's go. Yeah. This is, this is, this is bottom mark. Let's go. Wow. This is so interesting. So then when did the book start to come into it? Cause you said that that wasn't even like, that's when the true relaunch happened. Yeah. So in 2015, I went, I did an abundance and prosperity course and I did a, a vision board. And so I wrote on my vision board, I was going to have two books and I was going to be in two main magazines. And I laughed at myself when I did that. Like that's never going to happen, but okay, fine. I'm just going to put it on my vision board. 
So I hire my coach in 2016. I fly out to New Jersey. I don't even have enough money on my credit card to pay for the hotel room. I'm just like praying that my, my credit card clears. And I jump in, learn what I need to learn. I learned how to make money. She taught me how to make money. I didn't know how to do that. As an employee and a blue collar girl, you're not taught that. Learn how to make some money. And that January of 2017, I decided I was going to write the book. Okay, I got to ask you, what still resonates with you about learn how to make money? Every It's everything. So you really feel like this... This is like all the steps, all the things that she did, all the guidance, but is there, is there any that you can give the listeners that are like, okay, as we keep moving, cause I know we got a lot more to cover and we still have to, we have to be talking about this stop budgeting for good. I got to get to that point, but it one one of the top tips that you took away from that. What you're worth is what you say you're worth. Ah, mic drop right there. That's so good. What your worth is, is what you say it is. Yeah. Everybody out there, listen to that. That yeah. is just so important. Okay, so now keep us going down this path. We're on this bullet train now. This is so good. Yeah, so January, 2017, I decided I'm gonna write a book. I hire a self-publishing publisher who taught, who was gonna you know, get me through the whole process. That's another, that, that, that was ended up being another $15,000 investment and I was in. I was all in. Right. And I was like, this sounds really scary, but what do I need to do? That's like, that sounds like a horrible idea. What time? <laughs> right. So God, like, this is so good. Yeah. Lisa, I love that. You're just like, you know what? Like, tell me when you're making these big financial decisions, what, like, what is the process for you? Is it like, what happens? Well, until this day, and you know, this isn't, I think a, I think more entrepreneurs can resonate with this than non-entrepreneurs, but I was basically like, well, if I don't spend the money, I'm fucked. So totally. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're you're in a bind, right? You know, option A or B. And they both, you know, hey, one is really bad, the other is gonna cost me a lot, but either way, I gotta do something. That's right. So I made the investment. I said, tell me what to do. Hmm. And they told me what to do, and I did it. And I, I earned in that 10 months of, you know, 2016, throwing my, all my cards in to deciding to write the book, investing in all of that. I made $128,000. God, this is a great story. Okay. That's amazing. All right. So then you're writing this book and what happens? Well, I'm making money. I'm promoting the book before it's written. I'm doing everything they're telling me to do. I have this amazing support system around me of other people who have believed in me, not even my family at that time, because they were scared for me. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is not safe. Don't do it. We don't agree with you. In August of 2017, I flew home from one of the weekends with my coaches and I told my husband I wanted a divorce. <laughs> so it was through investing in myself and then I was making money. And by making money, then I knew I could make more money and I was done with the marriage. So it, it was, it was so scary. He wasn't making any money. I was barely making, you know, three, 4,000 in cash flow, three or $4,000 a month, but it was enough. It was enough. And I was like, this is it. I'm done. And then there's that point where you had been married. How long? Almost 16 years. Yeah. 
there's that point, and I remember it very well, sitting down and talking to a financial advisor and understanding really what happens when you get divorced. And I was like, (gasps) and he said, this is kind of, you know, what you're going to have to be doing, which goes into the budgeting and you're going to have to be, you know, really looking at this and we need to start thinking about long-term. And I just remember all of this like data coming at me and I'm like, oh my God, you think it's going to be like this, the emotional side of it and you know, the heart side, like, oh my God, the failure of this, the kids, what's going to happen. And then it's the head side where you're like, okay, now I'm, I'm, I need to figure this out. So tell us like what, like what from that point, you're getting the divorce, you're writing the book, what's going, what's going on with you? I've never felt more excited and validated in my life by making those decisions. And no Mm. one made those decisions for me. I had to, in the middle of the night, wrestle with myself and figure out for myself what I really wanted and what I was, what I was willing to do to get it. Lisa, you're a badass. I really, really am enjoying this story. This is like, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it actually is lighting you up. It's igniting something in you. Yeah. I'm like on fire and I'm scared, Yeah, but I dance on the edge. I mean, what I realized about myself is that I'm meant to be an entrepreneur and taking risk turns me on. Mm -hmm. And I was raised in a risk adverse environment, which is why I'm so passionate about teaching what I teach, taking neuro, you know, neuro-linguistic programming and putting it together with money is that when we can put those two together, I broke through so many layers of limiting beliefs and decisions that I had made about myself from such a young age. And then I just learned how to connect money to it. And I was like, let's go. Let's go. So you always talk about that actual people should stop budgeting for good. I mean, and I read that and I'm like, as I'm going through my, you know, my next year's budget, I'm like, uh, okay, help me understand your philosophy around that. So it's equivalent to trying to figure out where you want to go by looking through the rear view mirror Hmm. in a lot of ways for a lot of people, not saying for everyone, a budget is a, is a mechanism of control. And it's all, it's almost always you're looking back at what happened versus how to really look forward and understand how the decisions you're making are getting you closer to where it is that you want to be. Also for me in a, in a very traditional sense of budgeting in my non very non-analytical brain, it's too much. I don't want to do it. I don't want to know what I spent on groceries. Do I really care what I spent on groceries? Do I really like, I have this entertainment pot, this entertainment money, but I don't really know exactly how to navigate that. And so for myself, I needed to simplify it. And then for my clients who also hate budgeting, they were like, tell me more, how can I do this? And now it's a simple streamlined way of structuring where your money is at any given moment so that you don't have to hardcore budget you just need to, you know, stay connected to where your money is and for what purpose. So are you saying, Lisa, this is not only in your personal life, but professional as well, if you're running a company? I think that companies companies can be a little bit more sophisticated. I think they need to be based in there's, there's cash flow, there's profit and loss, all of those things. But the profit first model is a similar way of thinking about your money. And it's ultimately 
a really healthy way to manage your cash flow, in my opinion. Okay, so profit first. Tell us about if we're thinking about this from my personal perspective right now, yeah. let's just talk about that. What you said, simple steps. I am queen of simplicity right now. That's my word for this next year. Simplify. <laughs> so, so give it to me. Give it to me in simple terms. So let's simplify this. So from your personal standpoint, what I know is that most Americans are still banking out of one account. I don't know if that's you, but most people that come to me for coaching and support, they still have every single transaction running through the same account. So you're paying your bills, you're running your debit card out of that account, and it's total chaos. And maybe you have some budget somewhere on a spreadsheet, but it never correlates to what's going on in your bank account. And that can be very confusing. And then if you have two people using a debit card out of that account, then that's where the husbands and wives and spouses and partners are in a conversation about you spent this, you spent that. Oh my God, I didn't realize this bill was going out. You can imagine the stress. I can see your face. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And I hear this all the time. People don't know, well, I thought I had enough in there, but I didn't know that Nick actually went out and bought this, or I didn't know that David did this. I'm like, okay, got to, I agree with you. You have to have separate. That's right. So move your money, separate it out by purpose and to simplify it, keep it super simple. You have an operating account. I'm talking about an actual bank account. Money goes into that account and you pay your bills out of that account. You do not use a debit card ever, 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 ever from that account. That one thing, you take your spending money, you transfer your spending money into a spending account, the, and you use that money to spend, period. That's it. Okay, it's so spend. let's say, let's just say to make this super simple for everyone, you've got a Wells Fargo account. Yep. Okay. So what you're saying is to actually have multiple accounts with multiple yep. like different numbers. Yep. Love that. And I yep. love I'm doing that. That is so good. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. This is we good. Nickname ours. We nickname ours. So my husband's account, yeah. we have the Eagle account because on his debit card, it's a picture of the Eagle. Uh-huh. He says, babe, what where do what money do I use? I said, use the Eagle account. He's like, that's so easy. There's money in the account. I want to buy the thing. There we go. If there's yeah. no money in the account, I don't buy the thing. So his is the Eagle account. What's your, what's yours? What do you name yours? So the household account is the Eagle account. Okay. His, uh, that's where we spend our money for the boys, for food, whatever. I got remarried by the way. Hey, that's awesome. I did too. Yeah. Yes. It's a good thing. Beautiful thing. His account is just Jimmy's account. He gets money in that account. He can buy whatever the heck he wants out of that account. I don't really care because money goes in there weekly and he has a, Dix a Dixon flannel. A you know, he loves those right now, whatever, buy however many you want because that's what it's for. <laughs> that's the guilt-free spending that I'm talking about. Put it in an account for a purpose, use it for that purpose, sleep well at night. Ah, so this is how you talk about build wealth guilt-free. Mm-hmm. Because you know you have an account that, but how do you, let me ask you, how do you not have one partner spend more than the other? It's, it's values and agreement. So there's, there's priorities, there's vision. What I also have every single, every single week, so I structure this weekly, I have money going into savings accounts for different purposes. Mm -hmm. So I also have a, a 
household reserve account. So if my husband's like, shoot, I need to buy it. We need to replace the toilet. Can I buy a toilet today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me just move money. You're good to go. Sounds like you're managing the money. I always have. Okay. That's just, you know, what's funny is that I managed the money with my first husband and now I equally do it with my husband now because I Mm -hmm. think that he was used to doing it on his own and I was used to doing it on our own. So I was like, okay, but it's working out really well. So one of the things you said is these accounts. So how many accounts do you actually have? We have five in the household. Specifically, Uh I have five cash accounts. Okay. So we have bills, which is nicknamed bills. So Jimmy knows not to touch it because it's bills that are paid out of that account. Jimmy's account. So it's called Jimmy. That's his account. We Mm -hmm. have the cash account, the Eagle account. And then we have two savings accounts. So good. I I love this. So you talk about simplifying that, right? Have these accounts. And even though it seems like on the surface, it might be more work initially to set it up because you're dividing it. In the long run, it's just, it's, it does help to simplify because you know, this is that account, this is this, and you can name it, do a nickname. Is there something else that you also recommend? Because I do want to get into the money types. Oh yeah. Okay. So final thing, there's two kinds of savings, save to save, save to spend. What would be different in your life if you looked at, so save to save, that money for us goes over to our Charles Schwab account. It's for long-term savings. It goes into our Roth different for different purposes, right? So I move money into my save to save account, and then I divvy it up based on the goals that we have. That's t- that's money that my husband knows we don't touch. Don't touch. Mm-hmm. Save to spend. My clients go. They they love this concept because save to spend for a lot of them ends up being their travel and fun account. You're just tucking it aside and earmarking it so that when you want to buy plane tickets or when you want to book the next all-inclusive, you have money that's there for that. It's peace of mind because you have- Lisa, this is so good because, you know, a lot of people, they want to go on a trip and they just, they buy their tickets. They do this. There's no- calibration of, well, how much do we really want to spend in that bucket for the year? And what you're doing is you're actually, you're not holding, like, you're not saying you can only do this. You can only do that. You just know that this is what you have allocated. This is it. So how do you want to do it? Wow. That's good. The freedom comes with the choices. Mm -hmm. You're giving yourself choices. And then you get to also then understand the consequence of that choice. No one's telling you what to do. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. Right. Especially around money. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So what are the money types that you talk about and how can we actually use them? Okay. So there's the five money types that I teach are from Robin Crane. She's my mentor. She's the one that I hired back in 2016. She's my best, one of my best friends today. Money types. And if anybody's familiar with the disc, they they Absolutely. they work around the disc. So we've got delusional Delilah. Hello. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> we're the big dreamers. We're the Tony Robbins of the world. We think big. We dream big. Mo- most of us are entrepreneurs. And we have a bit of delusion about us with our money because we're going to do it whether we have the money or not, which can drive other money types pretty crazy. But we're going to we're going to dream big, so we need to make sure that our money 
moves in that way. Like be like Grant Cardone, 10X your activity around your money. So for me, learning how to make more money was a dream come true for delusional Delilah because now I can think big, dream big and go make it happen. So you're Delilah. Oh, totally. Okay. I haven't heard the other ones yet, but I'm kind of already leaning in that that part as well. I think okay. that that might be me. Okay. Okay. So then there's Spendthrift Sally. Spendthrift Sally loves to spend money, but oftentimes it might look similar to delusional Delilah, but the why behind it is so different. Spendthrift Sally's spend money, but don't often think through the consequences of that. They can be more impulsive with money. They don't slow down very long. They don't want to track their money. There can be problems that come with all of these money types. Spencer Sally's tend to be the most abundant though. They, they are like, let's go, let's do this. Anything's possible. I'll just go make more money. Mm -hmm. um, and then the opposite of the Spencer Sally is the cheap chip. So my parents- So good. <laughs> so they're so cute. I love how Robin did it. So the cheap yeah. chip are my parents. They were raised- very depression era kind of mentality mindset. Dave Ramsey is a cheap chip. Don't mm -hmm. spend money on anything you don't need. Save, save, save. It can be more of a hoarder mentality mm -hmm. when it comes to money. And they come from scarcity a lot and fear and not, they don't trust. So those are some of the downfalls of the cheap chip. On the other side of it, they could end up having $100,000, $200,000 in the bank and still think they're broke. <laughs> so interesting. My mom passed and I'm thinking, oh my God, this was so my mom. <laughs> she had money, but then, you know, she passes. We're like, what the heck? She had that? Mom was always like, I just don't have enough money. I just don't have money to do that. Yet she, you know, would sit there and be like, okay, but I'll, I'll go with you. <laughs> it's yeah. just so funny. Oh my God, this is so good. Okay. And then what's number four? Number four is the, um, who do we have? Overgenerous Olivia. Overgenerous oh, Olivia sense. is my second money personality. They, they, we, we are the people of the planet who wake up in service to others. Mm. We want to serve others. A lot of overgenerous Olivia's have nonprofits or want to have nonprofits. They're nurses. They give, 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 give. Financially, they don't take care of themselves. They take care of other people first. And that can cause a lot of dis-ease and resentment financially mm. as an overgenerous Olivia. Bailing people out, not having firm boundaries, that has shown up for me over and over in my life. I'm breaking through it. I'm so what if we what if I'm like sitting here and I'm like, hmm, little of that, little of this, little of that, you know? Yeah. Here's my belief. We are one of these as a superpower. The others could be learned. Now, if we go back to our imprinting years and our modeling years, for me, I have a lot of cheap chip in me. It's mm -hmm. not a superstar. It's actually where my parents taught me about money and I how to make money. That makes sense. So what was number five? Avoider Alice. Avoider Alice tends to bury their head in the sand. They don't like talking about their problems. They don't like looking at their problems. You'll hear they like they're like rosy colored sunglasses. Like, oh, it's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. That's my ex-husband. It'll be fine. It's never fine. But in their <laughs> minds, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, I think these are so good. Do you have something on your website or in your program where there's something that people could take around this to understand what what category they would predominantly fall in? Sure. I One of my podcast episodes. So on my podcast, you can find the Money Personalities podcast episode. It's one of the earlier ones. 
And in the new year, I'm launching a whole new money personalities class for that reason, because it's That's the awesome. Number- I knew you would. I knew that that was so good. Okay. I, I, we're running out of time here. What is the absolute worst financial advice that you've ever gotten? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, in sales, it was cast a wide net. Work with mm-hmm. everyone. Isn't that true? Yes. That's what we were all taught. You got to go wide you know, just massively blanket everything. Which is really hard to do. And I failed doing that. So that was, that was horrible advice. And now as an entrepreneur, it's narrow down, right? Narrow your niche. What are you really, who are you really trying? You can't sell to everybody. So that's, that's good. Yeah. And you're not going to be surprised to hear this one, but honestly, you have to budget. You have to budget for someone who doesn't think that way, doesn't want to be that way. For me, that was crushing my spirit and my soul thinking that I had to do something and I really wasn't that great at it. And I still get heat about this. So on on YouTube, I talk about it and people get there like, well, you don't know what you're talking about and you're not good with money. There's lots of ways to be good with money. Okay. But I got to say, we just talked about stop budgeting for good. Yeah. So for me, the, like you said, worst financial advice for me, for me was that I have to budget. Ah, okay, everyone. Hopefully you were following that because I wasn't. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> a, late night, a late night flight last night did me in. Okay, that makes sense because that goes right back to what we have already talked about. Got it. Okay, this has been incredible. I have loved it. Where can people find out more about you? The easiest way is to go to lisachastain.com everything's there, my blog, my podcast, all of it. And then if you want to find me on Instagram, it's Savvy Money with Lisa. Oh, uh, you know what? I've got to throw this one out since right now when we're out, when we're taping this show, it is the holiday season. What would you say is your go-to right now? And I love that you're the finance girl. What is your go-to in terms of the best product that you're giving away right now or that you would recommend to somebody? Whether it's beauty, whether it's product, whether it's anything. My best product. I'm a I'm a huge fan of lip gloss. So Ooh, so am I. My lips are so dry right now. Which one do you love? So my best friend, Gail, and I, shout out to Gail. We love these mentha lips by Bath and Body Works. I'll be honest with you. I've tried everything and they have different tints and different colors. These are my absolute favorite. I give them out to everybody that I can. No way. Okay, yeah, we'll put that everywhere. So Bath Body Works, you said. Bath and Body Works. Okay. Mentha lip tint. Mentho. Mentha, because I'm going to go ahead and put this on our show notes as well. Lisa, so much fun talking to you today. Thank you for coming on the relaunch podcast and delivering the goods. And you gave us a lot to think about. I love these whole personas, these, you know, money. I'm like, oh gosh, I've really got to dive into that. And for everyone out there, you know what? Sometimes we talked about fear today. When you look fear in the eye, fear does not look back at you. You can break through it. It's no longer that scary. And so Lisa has given us incredible advice today and you can go check out she said she's coming up with more courses more goodness that she's going to be giving entrepreneurs so definitely go check that out and everyone at this point you know it's always about live now love now 
but let's relaunch you into a different money story in this next year, next quarter for you. And that starts today. All right, everyone, look forward to seeing you next week when we have another incredible guest. Take care, everyone. See you next time. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If you felt a spark, a shift, or a little nudge from our show today, why not leave a five-star review on iTunes? It helps us spread the word, so please share this episode with someone who could use that same spark. Make sure to check out therelaunch.com forward slash podcast for the goodies from today's episode. And remember this, right now is your golden opportunity to shift and relaunch into the life you've always imagined. Let's continue to build our own powerful stories of resilience and reinvention. Until next time, ready, set, relaunch.